0: Hi, it's Joanna Oakey here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Today, we are talking all about recent changes to consumer laws that have involved the introduction of tougher penalties for companies who breach these consumer laws under the Competition and Consumer Act. In order to talk about this area, we have on board the Deputy General Counsel of ACCC, Verity Quinn and Emma Gordon. Verity and Emma talked to me today about the ACCC's viewpoint in relation to these changes in the consumer law. They talk a little bit about why the consumer law was changed and the things that led up to the changes in the consumer law. They also talk about what the intended impacts of the title laws are on businesses from their or the ACCC perspective. And they also talk about what the changes mean for businesses on a practical level. We also then dive into why there was a need for the change, what the catalyst was, and some insights into what penalties looked like for businesses prior to the changes, and now what they potentially look like in this new environment. So this is a really interesting episode. It's great to have the ACCC on board talking with us today. So let's get started. Well, hi, Verity and Emma. Welcome on to Talking Law today.
1: Thanks, Joanna. It's lovely to be here.
0: We've got a few things that I'd like to go through today in relation to um, these changes to the consumer law. How about we step back one step and start right at the beginning. Maybe you can tell us a quick Outline of what the changes are to the consumer laws and who this is particularly relevant to. Yeah, sure. So
1: traditionally, there's been this sort of disparate treatment of breaches of the competition law provisions in the CCA and the consumer law provisions in the Act. So competition law provisions, like anti-competitive agreements, resale price maintenance, etc., had attracted penalties of ten million dollars or three times the value of the benefit the company got from the conduct, or ten percent of their turnover. But breaches of the Australian consumer law provisions attracted these much lower penalties, $1.1 million at their highest, I think it was $220,000 maximum for an individual. What's happened is that as of 1 September 2018, the ACL penalties, the maximum that can be imposed, is now in line with the competition provision. So now, the maximum penalty for our ACL contravention could be $10 million, or if the court can determine the value of the benefit that um, was obtained from the breach... Three times the value of that benefit, or if the court can't work out the term, determine the value of the benefit, because that's often quite difficult to do, (laughs) it could be 10% of the annual turnover of the corporation. Wow. Yeah, the maximum penalty is increased. So rather than being 220,000 maximum, it's now 500,000.
0: Wow. I mean, 10% of the turnover, that's huge. But I guess great in terms of now having a potential penalty that actually creates compliance <laughs> as opposed <Yeah. laughs> to penalties in the past that maybe were seen to be really quite small in comparison to the benefit to an organisation of non-compliance. Maybe if you can talk a little bit about why these changes came about? So, what caused? And and you've you've talked um, clearly about the requirement for aligning um, th- these different parts of the uh, legislation, the consumer laws, with the competition laws. But what else generally was happening in the market that the ACCC was
1: concerned about? Yeah, sure. I think the concern was primarily focused on large companies, yeah, where you know they had this annual turnover in the billions. And then the maximum penalties available under the ACL of you know, 1.1 uh, per contravention was seen to be, you know, in our view, inadequate to really deter them from breaching the law. Similarly, if a company was getting a huge amount of benefit from the conduct, then it could just be seen as a cost of doing business that you might get this kind of low fine imposed if you were found to breach the law. And so the HCC have been advocating for quite a while, saying, we just don't think these penalties are significant enough to deter businesses that are getting a huge benefit from the conduct or that are massive businesses from engaging in the conduct. And then there was actually a report done by the um, Consumer Affairs Australia New Zealand back in 2017. And that report came out and said, yep, yeah, the maximum penalties under the ACL are insufficient to deter breaches for highly profitable conduct. And that, you know, there is this evidence that some uh, companies were seen an ACL penalty is kind of the cost of doing business. And there's also a bit of commentary from the courts around this. So I guess just sort of two examples in particular would jump out. One was the ACCC's case against Apple in 2018. And there, the, the federal court had imposed a penalty of $9 million on Apple, for so making false and misleading reps about consumer guarantees and the rights and remedies available to consumers under the ACL. We, we'd actually agreed a penalty with Apple that what the ACCC put forward, and said, we think $9 million is appropriate. And then it's up to the court to determine, you know, okay, the parties have put forward this submission as what would be the appropriate penalty that the court determines what they think is appropriate. And Justice Lee there expressed concern that actually $9 million could be regarded as loose change by a large company like Apple. And he noted that, you know, if a penalty doesn't impose a sting, then it's less likely to achieve the intended deterrent effect. But he sort of made comments about, you know, I'm constrained by authority and the large nature of Apple can't dominate my analysis here. And then we had a similar comment from the bench in um, HCC and Coles in 2014 where Justice Gordon, again in Federal Court, made this comment that it's a matter for the Parliament to review whether the maximum available penalty of $1.1 million for each contravention is sufficient when a corporation with annual revenue in excess of $22 billion acts unconscionably, but the current maximum penalties are arguably inadequate for a corporation of this size guess we'd say and Parliament obviously agreed that an increase to in the maximum penalties available for ACL breaches was necessary to enable the courts to impose a sufficiently high penalty to deter poor corporate conduct, particularly for those really large companies.
0: How do these changes impact the process of the ACCC or do they do they impact the back end of the way that the ACCC now approaches contraventions has has it created any practical differences other than obviously you now have higher penalties that you can point to
2: um sure i i think as verity mentioned we've been advocating for higher penalties for the reasons of deterrence and making sure that businesses aren't tempted to do the wrong thing for a while and as a general matter we would expect and hope that there'll be a general shift in moving consumer law penalties just to a higher level um, to reflect the the damage that this kind of conduct does. Courts have been able to impose these kind of penalties for some time in the competition sector and we're very pleased that they're now going to be aligned in the consumer sector as well. So it means that in a practical sense, there'll be a general, we would think there'll be a general exposure to higher penalties and we'll be expecting higher penalties and advocating for higher penalties. We often um, deal with companies who may have contravened the law and who cooperate with us and we will negotiate a penalty. This can be when they come in to us or when we start investigating or sometimes we get to court, we argue about liability and then we can agree penalty later on agree a penalty that we can suggest to the court as appropriate, I think it's fair to say going into those kind of negotiations, we will have a higher um, level of penalty in our heads than perhaps we had before um, reflect the fact that the goalposts have shifted a little with this overall increase. In terms of a practical effect, for particular kinds of companies, I think large companies in particular can expect Higher penalties can expect us to go in with higher penalties and can expect the courts to be ordering higher penalties if they're large with a, with a big corporate group turnover, because there is a way of calculating penalty that goes to overall group turnover. Also, if there's been a significant benefit from the relevant conduct, they can expect that to have an impact on what we would think was an appropriate penalty because there's been a large number of contraventions.
0: Obviously, the penalties that were in place prior to these changes were still quite significant in terms of the maximums for small small to medium businesses. But do you see any impact on SMEs out of these changes other than, of course, increased higher number, which could look concerning or more concerning to, um, to SMEs? But is there anything that you see in terms of the
2: impact That's relevant
0: to comment from an SME perspective.
2: I think from an SME perspective, there's also the hope that it'll level the playing field a little bit because the large corporates are going to have much more of an incentive to be complying with the law and making sure that they're doing the right things. So it will make it easier for small businesses to compete effectively with them when the large corporates have an incentive to compete fairly by not engaging in breaches of the consumer law.
0: And potentially they may benefit as well in terms of them as consumers, in inverted commas, to the extent that they've purchased goods or services under that $40,000 threshold.
2: Oh, yes, yes, exactly. To the extent that they're buying goods as a consumer within the meaning of the of course. Yeah. Of course, and even to the extent that they're not, if it means that large businesses are acting fairly in and making accurate representations, I mean, they'll benefit in the sense that they consumers outside like
1: that Sorry. And it might be worth just mentioning that these maximum penalties set the bar, but there's also this number of other factors that will get taken into account when assessing what's an appropriate penalty in any given case. So, you know, the overall sort of goal of penalties is deterrence, deterrence to the individual company involved and deterrence to others who might be tempted to breach the law when they see what happens. But it may be that, you know, if you're a quite small company, then a small fine is sufficient to deter you from engaging in that conduct again. And the factors that um, the courts take into account and the HCC takes into account when um, we work out what we think is an appropriate penalty to recommend are things like the deliberateness of the contravention and how long um, the conduct went for, whether it arose out of conduct of senior managers or if it was something done at the lower level, whether a company's got a culture of compliance you know, they've got educational programs or take this reaction when there's been a contravention. Um, whether the company has shown a disposition to cooperate with the ACCC in relation to contravention. Um, whether they've engaged in the conduct, yeah, in the past and the financial position of the contravener, Whether the conduct was deliberate or pervert. So there's a whole lot of factors that also come into play in working out what's a penalty um, sufficient to deter that company from engaging in the conduct again.
0: And I think, you know, there's an element of that that might be reassuring to business as a whole in terms of where there's inadvertent, I guess, breaches that are not endemic. not part of a general culture of non-compliance. You know, perhaps this is a little bit less scary, but certainly a reason for organisations to generally have a culture of compliance when it might impact the way that issues might be dealt with by the ACCC if, if issues were to occur where are you seeing the greatest issues appear for SMEs if we take SMEs first and then maybe larger businesses? But where are you seeing that SMEs are sort of misstepping and perhaps not getting what their obligations are? Are there there particular areas of the consumer law provisions that you're finding particularly SMEs just don't seem to be on top of? Sure. So each year,
1: the ACCC actually sets out our enforcement priorities the year ahead. And those priorities are informed by things like where are we getting the most consumer complaints from? We get, our, I can't remember the exact figures, but I think it's like, you know, 150,000 complaints every year <laughs> from consumers. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's quite high. And that, that information that comes into us, I guess, helps us be able to pinpoint where some of the problem areas are. And so... Our enforcement priorities for this year are focusing on things like customer loyalty schemes and consumer guarantee rights, especially in relation to high-value consumer goods, so like electrical and white goods. We're also focusing on advertising practices on social media platforms, given that they're becoming really influential. In what way? what, What element of the advertising
0: practices on social media?
1: The fact that it's kind of reaching a really broad audience particularly a younger audience, and that it's not necessarily always subject to, I think, the same checks and balances as traditional advertising is. And you're talking
0: there particularly about misleading and deceptive conduct, or or are there other things that are appearing that you're seeing on social media that
1: are causing particular concern? and misleading representations is a really big one in that space, including even things like not disclosing arrangements between, say, a social media influencer and the products or services, also not disclosing terms and conditions appropriately when they're encouraging people to sign up and take on obligations. There's just a few other authorities we've got as well, which um, one is one that comes no surprise to anyone, <laughs> pricing in the energy and telecommunications sectors. Yeah, right. Wow, there you go. <laughs> Franchising issues continues to be a really um, big area of focus for us and an area of continual complaints, and also business-to-business unfair contract terms. And one that's sort of interesting for the ACCC and interesting globally is, of course, the collection and use of consumer data by digital platforms.
2: And as you'll be aware, we've got an inquiry into that very issue going on at the moment that we'll be reporting in June.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, it's a watch this space.
2: <laughs> so,
0: maybe we can also talk very briefly as well about what the, the course is in terms of how the ACCC deals with consumer complaints. So, consumer complaints is, as you said, there was, I, I can't remember the number you mentioned, was it 150,000 complaints a year? Is, is that what you said? The The level of complaints
1: that the ACCC is dealing with is? Yes, I think it's around 150,000 complaints come in and they get assessed and then a number of ones have a kind of initial assessment which is a bit sort of called a mid-tier <laughs> um, level of assessment to see whether or not there is an issue we should pursue and then if it is, it then gets sent out to enforcement teams and we have an- across the country a number of investigations live going on at any one time both in the competition and the consumer space. We are also responsible for um, a number of product safety issues, so we have investigations and actions going on in that space as well. Excellent.
0: Before we wrap up, maybe just talk a little bit more about the penalty figures here. Can you talk to us about this area a little bit, just so we can wrap our heads around what it actually means in practice?
2: Sure. Um, and we, yeah, we can definitely give you some context around that. Uh, under the old penalties regime where the maximum penalty was just over $1 million per contravention. The highest penalty for a consumer law breach that was ever imposed was an $18 million penalty that was imposed towards the end of last year against We Buy Houses Proprietary Limited. And there was a penalty imposed against the director, personally, of that business of $6 million. But that was pretty remarkable penalty under those old provisions. Um, other than that penalty... The highest that we achieved was a $10 million penalty against each of, in different matters, against each of Coles, Ford, Telstra and Optus. So you're looking at pretty big companies there. And in each of those instances, that penalty was imposed after being having been put to the court as a, an appropriate penalty by both the parties, so by the HCCC and the respondent in question. Right. Other than that and other than the $18 million penalty that I mentioned, the highest penalty imposed by a court where the ACCC and the respondent hadn't agreed in advance about what they thought was an appropriate penalty was a $6 million penalty imposed against Nurofen, which is a couple of years ago now. And this is in contrast to the kinds of penalties that we've been getting in the competition space where, of course, they were at the the maximum penalties were at the level that the consumer penalties have now been increased to. Um, our highest there was a, has so far been a $46 million penalty against Yazaki.
0: That's a big difference, isn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I should note as well, um, I think there's something to keep in mind that in the consumer space, it's really interesting how penalties apply in that... The maximum penalty applies per contravention, if you like. And when you're talking about consumer law breaches, there can be literally thousands of contraventions. So, for example, if conduct is a false statement made in an advertisement that runs on TV, is on websites, technically there's a contravention every, every time someone views that misrepresentation. and it, it, So you could have many, many, many breaches and this is significant when the maximum penalty applying per contravention has been increased in the way that it is but we did want to make the point that the ACCC and the courts as a matter of practice don't take the approach of identifying each and every contravention and calculating the maximum penalty because in some instances that would just go to billions of dollars. Um, so there is a pragmatic approach there where we apply principles around how many courses of conduct, so what was really going on that caused the contravention, how many of those were involved. And and the court will always look and we will always always have regard to whether or not the penalty overall is appropriate for the conduct in question given the size of the contravener, and having regard to all those kind of factors that Verity was talking about earlier. So as I said, even though the increase in maximum penalty per contravention shifts the goalpost a little bit of what overall would be considered to be an appropriate penalty, you're not in practice looking at, you know, billion <laughs> dollars. book of, numbers. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, I get it. Some of the things that you're talking about, the importance of the ability of the courts to award far higher penalties, I, I would see, must have an impact on larger businesses in terms of uh, their, uh, you know, how they're approaching the seriousness with which they view the legislation. But I'd be interested to um, just go back to one of the things that you mentioned, the We Buy Houses example. Just thought it might be interesting if we could just spend a quick minute or two talking about this particular example. And so, this this penalty of $6 million against the director personally, and you said $18 million against the company. Is that right,
1: or oh, so it's 18 million in total, so 12 million against the company and six million against um, the sole director. Mm. And this was before the change in legislation
0: in relation to the, the amount of penalty, okay? All right, so this is in the previous regime, yes, <laughs> okay. And so, what happened in that particular instance,
1: sure? So, in that one, we buy houses, and Mr. Otten, who was the sole director, were teaching these real estate investment strategies um, and having. People pay for boot camps and mentoring programs, and the claims made in relation to these were that you know people could buy a house for one dollar without needing a deposit or a bank loan or any real estate experience, and they could use little or none of their own money. There were representations made that you know you could create this passive income stream through properties. So you can quit your day job, you could build up this property portfolio without having to invest any of your own money, and that you could start making profits immediately and create or generate wealth. And so it was quite egregious conduct in the sense that people relying upon these representations, none of these things actually came to fruition for them. And so that's why the HCC sort of, you know, was quite pleased to have this record penalty imposed, which reflected the egregious conduct. And in addition to the penalty, there was also a permanent ban um, imposed on the sole director from any further involvement in real estate in order to protect consumers.
0: It's a really interesting example um, because because it such a, a high penalty, particularly in the regime we're talking about, you know, that was prior to um, the new far higher higher penalty regime. But it's interesting because there's elements of the marketing style that I, I think many of our listeners would see they have seen, uh, you know, themes of many times around, whether it's in relation to property or you know other areas. So I, I think it's great to see results like this, but. Also, for many businesses, I guess perhaps they might look at that and say, oh, that's interesting. Where is this line between marketing and something that would be seen to be so deceptive or so false and misleading that it could trigger penalties like that in the past and presumably potentially that
1: might be a lot higher now in today's environment? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, our chairman, Rod Sims, at the time sort of came out with- um, announcing this penalty and saying businesses should take this as a signal that the ACCC is going to take strong enforcement action against businesses and individuals who prey on consumers using the false hope creating financial success and we really saw from the signaling that you know the court condemns false misleading spruking of get-rich-quick schemes so it is something we certainly take quite seriously.
2: But, but this was extremely poor conduct So in terms of people being worried about a line, this Mm. was way over the line, I think.
0: Yeah, I understand. Well, I'm presuming it was with uh, (laughs) such high penalties. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I just want to thank the two of you so much for coming on today. Uh, I I think, you know, it's really important for people to hear the theories, the reasons behind changes often to legislation like this, because it can help to contextualise why there are changes there, what's going on, but also to reiterate uh, some of these important principles that we're talking about, the businesses should be mindful of in their own business and in relation to the rights that they might have where they feel they have, you know, suffered as a result of action by others in the competition space or themselves as uh, consumers under the consumer law. So thank you very much for coming in. Do you have any parting words that you want to
1: leave our audience with? Um, I don't know, Jodie, if this helps, but we did have one quote from Sims. Go for it. So, the reason we've been advocating for these high maximum penalties is because, as our Chairman Rod Sims has put it, penalties really need to hit the bottom line so they're not simply seen as a cost of doing business. Penalties need to be high enough to be noticed by boards and senior managers so that compliance with the law is a higher priority.
0: I think that's a really good point. I'm sure you'll now be very busy after some of these changes. (laughs) Has it led to you being busier? You know, does does it trigger interest? Does it trigger people identifying issues and reporting them more often when when they hear about higher penalties? Is is that something that, or are they unconnected?
2: I think, to be honest, once this higher penalties, once the regime kick, kicks in in a in a practical way, because we start taking cases that the conduct falls within this new penalty regime, I feel, I think it will. I think it will gain momentum. I think that's certainly what happened in the competition space Mm. when the penalties were increased there a number of years ago. So I think having the law changed is one thing, but when people start seeing what that means, I think then it it will have more of an impact.
0: Mm. Well, I I tend to think it probably would too. Uh, From a reportability perspective, you find that the media reports on things that are interesting and the higher the number in terms of the a, a penalty that's awarded is more interesting. And so, that in itself, I would assume will draw media coverage. And therefore, the more media coverage, the more awareness there is just generally about what is behaviour that is something that could be reported to the ACCC because sometimes people just don't even understand where that line is between something that they have experienced that they think is wrong versus understanding that it's something that is a breach or could be a breach and therefore reporting it. So, you know, from that perspective, perhaps you might be getting busier soon
1: if <laughs> <laughs> we're not busy enough already
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay good uh that was a really good discussion thank you so much for both of you coming along Well, that's it for this episode of Talking Law. Just as a quick recap, we were talking to Emma Gordon and Verity Quinn, Deputy General Counsels of the Competition and Consumer Law Unit at the ACCC. And in this episode, we took a quick Look at the changes to the consumer laws and the tougher penalties that have been introduced by these changes for companies who breach the law. We talked about the intended impact of the tighter laws from the ACCC perspective, what the changes mean for businesses on a practical level, why SMEs should be interested in the changes, and a little bit about the background of why these changes came into place. Now, look, if you'd like more information about this topic, just head over to our website at TalkingLaw.com com.au where we go through the highlights of this episode and we will also link through to the ACCC so you can see in more detail information that the ACCC has published in relation to these changes. And through the Talking Law website, you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you would like any help with any of the issues that we covered today. Finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. We would be ever so grateful. And I guess as just a last note in relation to this particular episode, I know many of our listeners out there are SMEs and larger businesses, but also their advisors. So I think it's important for advisors to be ahead of this space and aware of this space in your discussions with your clients. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Are you looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au to book in a time for a free discussion with one of our lawyers.